Hi and welcome to my podcast Pregnant in Japan, your podcast about pregnancy, birth and the joy of a relaxed motherhood in Japan. My name is Vicky, I'm a German mom living in Tokyo. I'm sharing my positive birth experience to inspire you with yours. Today we have uh, Jenny. Jenny is the mom of be two beautiful girls and lives with her family in Tokyo. Her husband is Japanese and um, she lives in Japan since five years. Uh, Jenny is a language um, speech therapist and today she will share her birth story with us. Hi Jenny, <laughs> welcome to the Hi. Pregnant in Japan podcast. <laughs> Hi Vicky, it's lovely to be here with you. <laughs> Excited to have you here. <laughs> Um, Jenny, before I start, I would like to ask you two unconventional questions. First one, when you came first time to Japan, what did you think, how long you would stay? So um, I first came 10 years ago for a three-month contract. So I thought I'd come to Japan, teach English for three months, then go back and do my master's in speech and language therapy. And I met my husband <laughs> in that time. So um, all plans went out the window. Um, I, I still yeah. went back and studied as a therapist and then came to Tokyo, where I've been here now for five years. Yes. <laughs> plans <laughs> changed, huh? Plans changed. <laughs> Thank you. And the uh, second question, what's a Japanese music band that you like a lot? Uh, so recently I like listening to City Pop. It's, it's not a Japanese band, but it's like a music from the 80s and I find it quite uplifting and, and fun. So okay, once again, what's the name? The Tea Pop. The Tea Pop. Tea like... The tea. Oh, city okay. like the... Um, like oh, the city. Okay. And, um, <laughs> Sorry. Pop, pop music. Okay, yeah, okay, pop. we'll check it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's dive in in today's episode. Um, so Jenny, when you first um, gave birth to your first daughter, it was 2018, You were at the Tokyo Iro Center, also known Tokyo Medical Center. But then for your si second um, baby, for your second daughter, you switched to Showa University Hospital. So let us um, know why you switched and what were the reasons. Uh, so I had a great experience at, at Tokyo Iro Center. Um, and at the time, I lived just 10 minutes walk away. Uh, but we moved, so it was no longer convenient. And we chose Showa, um, Showa Daigakubyo in the Showa University Hospital for the exact same reason. It was a 10-minute walk away. Um, yeah, oh, so okay. we, yeah. So the, the main reason was just uh, because it was close. <laughs> yes, okay. yeah. <laughs> And both hospital, because here we have to add your uh, language skills, your Japanese language skills are quite good, right? <laughs> They, they now are, yes. <laughs> okay, so at both hospitals, um, are these hospitals uh, you think are just for foreigners who have a basic level of Japanese or what What do you think? I think you decide your priorities. Uh, so for us, it was that we wanted somewhere convenient and cheap and we trusted the medical system in Japan. Um, but If you don't speak Japanese, there definitely is that extra challenge of navigating those systems and and doing things all the Japanese way, right? There's a lot less choice in those Japanese hospitals. So I think you should 
consider both you should consider both parts like are you willing to take on the challenge of the Japanese language um in, a, in something that's quite stressful anyway pregnancy mm-hmm. <laughs> and are you willing to go purely with the Japanese way of doing things um yeah so two things to consider before <laughs> yeah, yeah but um definitely mm-hmm. some um basic language um skills should be <laughs> yes <laughs> because the doctors yeah don't really speak uh, Japanese, uh, Japanese, I, I hope I speak Japanese, I mean English. <laughs> I think you, you just can't guarantee that they will, and you can't go in with that expectation, yeah, and I did learn specifically pregnancy Japanese before having my first baby, so I went to a, a private Japanese teacher, and she was happy to do that, mm. um, so yeah, even though I had some Japanese, I did specifically learn that language like yes. to describe heartburn or contractions yes. yeah. <laughs> okay good thank you um jenny could you tell us a little bit more about the shova university hospital for example mm-hmm. um is it hard to get in do you have to book uh, in advance a long time um do they have a semi-open system do they offer epidural <laughs> Um, so I was told by my my clinic doctor that I should book there by 10 weeks and he said it was competitive to get in uh, but I think that's mainly because there's, there's not loads of hospitals in Tokyo um, to give birth um, at least that was his opinion as a clinical doctor a clinic doctor um, well, one second he said there are not um, a lot of hospitals He felt that there weren't a lot of hospitals to give birth in Tokyo because a lot of Japanese women will go back home to their hometowns to give birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so just spaces are limited um, at the hospitals. Um, but we booked at 10 weeks and it was no problem. And you asked about a semi-open system, but I, I actually don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> okay, semi-open system. I know, for example, Red Cross offers it, um, that you have that you have your checkups at your local clinic and um, some you have at the hospital where you give birth. Right, yeah, so it, it is that system. Um, so you have to have your 10-week or 12-week checkup at the hospital and they make you have all of your tests done there. So any blood test or 20-week ultrasound you need to have done there. But apart from that, they actually encourage you to have um, appointments with your clinic until 34 weeks. Um, they're a high-risk pregnancy hospital. So they, if you're high-risk, they will make you have every appointment at the hospital. But if you're not high-risk, then they encourage mm. you to, to go to your own clinic mm. um, for, until 34 weeks. And uh, do you know what they consider as high-risk here in Japan? No, that, that's a good question. I know I wasn't high risk. They're like, they I, th- I think um, it's uh, um, it differs um, from country to country slightly, probably. <laughs> so yes, I think it, I think it can be if your your first pregnancy is over thirty five, or if there is any concerns about diabetes. Um, I think those factors. Um, and you asked about epidural, so they do offer the epidural at Showa University Hospital. Uh, when I was reading about it, they seem to limit it to like nine to five, Monday to Friday. Um, so even wow. though they offer it, there's no real guarantee that you'll get it. Um, okay, wait, one, one more time. So you have to, the, at Shova University Hospital, you have the possibility of an epidural, but they just offer it from Monday to Friday. 
yes. <laughs> and and my, around nine to five, that's that's what they said to me at the time. Um, and I think it's because they have limited anesthesiologists, so they only offer it during core working hours. Okay. Um, yeah. Ah, and so interesting. I actually heard um, heard uh, a little uh, something similar. I was um, uh, a part of my pregnancy. I was at the Kinoshita Hospital, and they had. I think they offered it all the time, but at different um, prices. So when it was at night, um, it was more expensive. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Yes. Ah. Um, and was it important for you, or do you know if it's it was if it was possible to visit um, the facility, Sochova University, before you registered? I'm, I don't think it was. So um, the the area you get your general checkups is separate to the the maternity ward, and the, I was never offered a visit. When I was at Tokyo Medical Center, they did offer a visit once you'd registered. Um, but, yeah, I don't think that was an option, actually. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also had the same experience that most hospitals actually don't uh, do this kind of thing. Um, mm. So you have to gather your uh, information from somewhere else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Shoah University Hospital does make you buy a book, though, to explain everything throughout the pregnancy and um, maternity, like the stay there. Um, I didn't find the book very useful, but you do have to buy a book. So maybe okay. it explains everything in it. Okay. And uh, in Japanese, right? Yes. Or in, in Japanese. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> Advanced. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's talk a little bit. You already mentioned it uh, about your checkups. Were the checkups um, always with the same doctors, and how how was the atmosphere? How did you feel there? Um, I really liked the hospital. I felt it was um, it was extremely well run. Um, my appointments uh, happened quite quickly. You know, I'd arrive at nine thirty, and my appointment I'd be seen within half an hour, and. I had different doctors each time, I'd say. I think there was, I saw three or four doctors in total. One spoke English really confidently and uh, the others, not so much. Um, I'd see different midwives as well, each appointment. And again, sometimes they spoke English and sometimes they didn't. And um, yeah, I was, I was really happy with the service. So at the other hospital, I felt appointments often lasted like three hours with no real reason. Yes. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Whereas Shaw University Hospital does a lot to streamline their service. For example, they have um, uh, blood tests on every floor so that you're not going to one, it's not everyone going to the same place for one test. So it means that you're done in like 15 minutes as opposed to waiting for 45 minutes with everyone else in the hospital. Mm. Um, and the uh, examination area is right next to the doctor's um Uh, office so you go straight in there rather than talking to the doctor coming out waiting for half an hour and then going into the examination room yeah so it was um yeah very good service and yeah mm. Mm. because um actually when you explained the different steps of uh, on one um, floor you have to take uh, the blood test and then you go back and that's the experience i, I made at at the red cross hospital 
And I was always thinking it was it still was a nice, you know, it, it just took so much time. And it was yeah. exactly the process you just described, like going down, going up, seeing here somebody, oh, well, blood pressure, you do at the beginning, but just uh, takes a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, so you you said you like the atmosphere. It was well organized. And um, when you saw the doctors and midwives, would you first start to speak in English or directly in Japanese? Or how how did did it uh, happen? Yeah, I think um, we'd always speak in Japanese first. And if if they could tell I was lost and they spoke English well, then they would switch to some English. Um, but I think because their service is advertised in Japanese, that's what they offer first. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But nice that they switched if, if it was possible for them. Did you feel like there was room for questions or um, was it always like on a rush or how did you feel? I definitely felt there was opportunities for questions. So they, they make sure at every stage that I could ask something, you know, when I was in the, um, the doctor's office, we'd have a conversation. If they did an ultrasound, they'd ask at the end, like, do you have any questions? Um, then I, when I saw the midwife, she'd ask if I had any questions. And um, I think that the only um, challenge was knowing who to ask what, <laughs> because, because you see so many people in an appointment, like, is this a question to ask you or is it to ask you? Um, ah. So, yeah, sometimes they'd say to me, um, that's a question for the midwife, so please ask her instead. Okay. Do you think it's a question of hierarchy? Um, I think it was the... Um, like what that part of the appointment was for. So if that part of the appointment was for checking the baby's um, like length and um, heartbeat, then that's what they would discuss. Um, and if your question was about... Uh, can I get the epidural? Then they'd be like, okay, no, that's a conversation about staying in the hospital and that's the conversation you have with the midwife. Um, so it's more okay. of that. Yeah. Okay, very, very well organized. Huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, could you also discuss with them a birth plan or, for example, um, did you have or did you want to book a, a room in advance, a common room, a private room? And were husbands to stay allowed to stay overnight? Mm. Um, yeah, so patient choice did come up. Um, the birth plan, I, maybe other women found this, it's, it's usually just four questions and it's quite vague. Like, what is your image of birth? I was like, I don't know what my image of birth is. Um, <laughs> and the only specific question was about breastfeeding. Um, do you want to breastfeed? Do you want to breastfeed exclusively? Um, or are you willing to com combination feed um, or, or just then um, bottle feed and formula feed? Um, so that was the only real specific question. And I felt like the birth plan wasn't given much consideration. It was something that you complete and something they file, um, but it was never really discussed with me afterwards and it wasn't discussed during labour. Um, to be honest, for me, it wasn't an issue. Like, I, I didn't have any set ideas of how I wanted to give birth. I just wanted to give birth safely. Okay. Um, and there are, the, with um, regards to the rooms, yes, they had um, options for every tier, and they were quite clear about that in their booklet, the, the cost for fair. Six bedroom, four, sorry, six person, four person, three or two or private rooms. There was every option you could imagine. And 
and the partners, because of COVID, they just, you can't bring partners into the hospital, unfortunately. And I imagine that's still the case. Um, so I couldn't have sh my husband, Shinichi, I couldn't have him there for the checkups or for, for giving birth. Um, he could visit for 30 minutes after I gave birth. Um, oh no, yeah, yes, for 30 minutes after I gave birth. Um, but that was, that was it. So mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, patient choice has been lost a lot with the coronavirus yes. and then dealing with it in a very clinical um, way. <laughs> but usually they allow husbands during yes, labor yeah, and also overnight, if you have a yes. private room, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So wait, um, one more time. Your husband could be there 30 minute, for 30 minutes after birth, but during birth or not during birth? No. So it's, um, again, this only applies during coronavirus mm. times. Um, but they had a window of two hours. So um, after you gave birth, your husband could visit within two hours for maybe it's 30 minutes to an hour. Um, yes. Uh, but children couldn't come, so we were in quite a tricky position where, like, he can visit, but our three-year-old daughter can't. Um, yeah. yeah, so it, it wasn't um, very flexible. Yes, yeah, well, this um, corona situation, I think we were all pretty brave huh, last year. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. But we did it, and our babies yes. did it too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, okay, now we know some basics about Vashua and University Hospital. Tell us uh, how your labor started. What was the point where you where you felt something, or you felt okay? It's it's getting pretty close. <laughs> um, so with my first labor, it took quite a long time, and um, I think I had early twinges for about 12 hours before it moved forward. So, Okay, wait, um, so, sorry, uh, with your first baby, right, you said? Yes, okay. yeah, but then the second baby, I had those same twinges, and I was like, oh, it's, it's probably going to be 12 hours before anything happens, and within three hours, I had to go to the hospital. I could, um, I could tell that the contractions were getting very strong, and... Um, I think it was when I couldn't move during contraction. I was like, yes, I need to, I need to go to hospital now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, um, so sorry, so I interrupted. This time round, um, this time round, it was from twinges to full contractions within three hours. But the first three hours uh, with your first contraction, you stayed at home? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what did you do <laughs> at home? <laughs> what did you do? I am. Um, I just. Don't don't say sofa. you cleaned <laughs> the apartment. No, no. no. <laughs> I think it's no. hard to do this, and I'm not cleaning this time. Um, I think I just walked around and mm, And then just ended up on the sofa, like rocking back and forth on the sofa. Mm. Um, yeah, it's all a bit of a blur now because it was so fast this time, thankfully. Um, it's all turned into a blur. Yeah. Was your oldest daughter and your husband, were they around at that time? Oh, right. No, so at that time, I'm, they went for a walk because we, wasn't, we weren't sure how long it would take. I was like, just take her for a walk. And um, so, yes, I was alone in the house for that, like for two hours I think and then when he came back I was like oh no you need to go home <laughs> need to get home <laughs> oh yeah. wow and 
Okay, you already said at the beginning the hospital was very close uh, to where you live. Could you did you yeah. walk or did you take a cab or? <laughs> no, we didn't walk. So I tried that last time and it didn't work. So um, uh, we we booked the maternity service. I really recommend it. So um, uh, those Good. maternity taxis and you you register with them and they they send a photograph of exactly where they'll pick you up in front of your building. Um, and they did just that. I think they arrived within 10 minutes and they, they took us there. And they were brilliant. They're really friendly and understanding because they know they're taking women in labor yeah. to hospital. It's yeah. such a convenient service here. <laughs> yes. yes, yeah, so needed. Last mm. time I had a Japanese uh, friend. Um, she uh, listened to my podcast and she's Japanese and she said uh, she didn't know about the service. She didn't oh. give birth before, so she does, uh, didn't know it. And I thought, yeah, it's so funny. Um, you probably just know it when you when you are pregnant and uh, yeah. <laughs> dive into this topic. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you took the maternity cab and mm -hmm. you were at the hospital. What happened then? Did you still walk around freely? Did you have your room, a room for yourself? Um, your husband couldn't be there. That's what you already mentioned. Mm -hmm. But what happened at the hospital? Yeah, so they, um, so once we arrived, he, he could accompany me up to the, the entrance, the 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 floor entrance um and then they left to have dinner at Caesarea which was next door it's a <laughs> cheap family, family restaurant next door and by that time I was um I was ready to give birth so I, I had a private I had a private room for delivery as far as I know everyone has a private room for delivery and um they they told me that even though I wasn't fully dilated they expected the baby to come within an hour and I just wanted to lie down. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, by that point, I just wanted to lie down. Um, so, so I lay down and I did a lot of um, visualization exercises that um, I'd learned from, from yoga classes. And that helped a lot. Uh, in my first labor, I was all over the place, <laughs> physically yeah. falling off Pilates balls. And, <laughs> uh, and this time I was like, I think I need to, to find a way to calm and center myself. Um, yes. And it worked, yeah. So I actually I did lie down for the last hour of labor and um, did a lot of yeah visualizing and breathing techniques to help me through. Oh, it really differed from your first birth, right? <gasps> yes. You felt like yeah. laying down, and it's so interesting how it can differ from just giving birth from woman to woman. And uh, interesting. So uh, you just got the impulse from your body saying, okay, I want to lay down. I don't want to yes. walk around anymore. <laughs> yes, like, we're too far into this. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the first labor, I did move lots and that. Um, but yeah, this time I just, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm <laughs> very curious about your visualization um, Uh, exercises or do you said you learn it uh, during yoga and yes. tell us a little bit um, more about it please yeah I'd love to so um I I signed up to yoga glow it's a online app and they have a lot of um prenatal classes and some are specifically for um for strengthening but there's also quite a lot on visualization and the ones I felt helped me the most were um visualizing like a circle of women around you so a circle of women who have had babies as well mm, and nice. you know conjure up that village of women you know in your minds like around you supporting you and that felt 
really good, you know, when you are giving birth alone right now because of coronavirus, it felt good to imagine that. And another was imagining swimming over the sea to an, like to a destination. So I chose an island. And the idea is that sometimes the sea will be smooth and sometimes it will be choppy. But, you know, to to breathe and keep swimming through it because you will get you will get over it and you will get to the islands. Um, and uh, I, I'd lived in Mexico before. So I imagined a specific beach that I'd go to with my friends and I imagined my two friends also have babies I imagine them waiting on the island for me Mm. um and it really yeah it really helped me a lot and and with the breathing um I never believed it would work (laughs) I was like it's just painful (laughs) giving birth is just painful how can breathing help um but it did again so uh doing things like touching my face while I was breathing to to focus on the breath and my face um, really helped me to disconnect from the pain um, and and actually to focus on breathing with the contractions. Um, mm. Yeah, that, wow, that helped beautiful. me a lot. <laughs> love it, love it. You know, I also I believe a lot in visualization. All the images you gave, uh, <laughs> amazing. So th- these you learned um, on this app, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, it's um, Yoga Glow. Yoga Glow. Okay. Yeah. I will put I it in this. Especially mm-hmm. yeah. if you don't have time or the opportunity to go to classes at the moment, the, the online ones, especially for prenatal yoga, they're, they're lovely. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it, um, how much it helped you. <laughs> okay, so um, you did this ex- exercises or mental exercises. You were on the bed and then... Uh, Shortly after um, your daughter came, right? <laughs> yes, yes, she was born um, within the hour. So my my husband and daughter were just finishing their dinner at Caesarea. You're very after, effective. After <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here she is. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, yes, yeah. So she, yeah, she arrived really quickly, um, and. Um, in Japan, there's no, I, I think there's often no avoiding giving birth in stirrups. Like, um, so as she came, the, the doctors and nurses came in and I had to give birth with my legs up and, um, yeah, and they did an episiostomy. I'm not sure I said that right, um, because I think that's quite standard here. And, yeah, the, the very final parts of birth were very quick and very controlled by the doctors. Uh, could you tell them before that you didn't want it or you were okay with it or oh yeah that, that was in my birth plan my <laughs> birth plan said please don't give me an episiostomy this time um but no one looked at it um to be fair though um I did recover very quickly from it um so I think they they did it well <laughs> mm. um, yeah but I think that's another thing to consider with Japanese hospitals that there just isn't the same patient choice Mm-hmm. Um, but did they tell you before they did it? Um, they may have, but in those final moments of giving birth, you're, you're yeah, kind of all over the place. I just mm. saw I saw someone come in and cut. <laughs> yeah, I think that is something that could be improved here in the hospitals uh, to yes. consider the mom's uh, wishes and uh, at least if they do it or if they have to do it uh, to involve you in this decision. Yes. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear you recovered soon <laughs> and they did a good job. 
<laughs> okay, so your your daughter was born, and uh, afterwards, could you have uh, your daughter on your belly or on your breast? Could you do kangaroo care? Could you breastfeed? What were the next steps? <laughs> so these are questions about patient choice again, aren't they? <laughs> yes, that's so important um, for me. Yes. <laughs> um, so in in theory, yes. So in in theory, you can do kangaroo care at um, Showa, Dagaku, and Bjorn. So uh, outside of coronavirus, they ask that you uh, attend a two-hour seminar so that you know the benefits and um, and dangers. They they think um, of kangaroo care, and in theory, you can do it after birth. But it didn't work out like that, and I, it's the one thing I am sad about. So um, straight after birth, as I think is quite standard, they they do take the baby away. They, they show you the baby, um, and for me, they they took they showed me Aska. They took her away to do all the checks, and then they wrapped her up, and then they laid her in a bed next to me, um, and they helped me through the afterbirth and and everything. Uh, but I just had her next to me, so I didn't actually have a chance to hold her for. I think the first 45 minutes, it wasn't even discussed. It's just, mm. she's there. She's mm. having her, her heart be checked. And um, even though I'd, com I'd completed the things to do, kangaroo care, they came in and they said that I wasn't able to. And I think one of those things of giving birth alone right now, it's hard to make sense of and hard to advocate for yourself. So it, it wasn't clear to me in the Japanese whether they hadn't found the document that said I'd done the, kang the, I could do kangaroo care, or it's that the woman next to me was giving birth to twins and that they needed their staff available for her so they couldn't have the staff available for me. It just wasn't entirely clear. And I think that is a, a cost right now of giving birth alone is there's no one to advocate for you when, there's, mm. when things aren't clear. Um, so and when my husband came, I think he came like an hour later. He did come for 30 minutes. Then we could hold her. Um, but we didn't, I don't think I breastfed until the morning. So I gave birth to her around 8 or 9 p.m. No, <laughs> I've got my numbers wrong. I think I gave birth to her around 7 and then maybe it was three or six hours later that they encouraged me to breastfeed for the first time. And mm. um, Yeah, so there wasn't that same like natural patient choice approach that I think we often expect from um western countries mm. yeah yeah I, that's um, something to consider if you give birth at Showa <laughs> yeah there are clear evidence scientific evidence how important uh, kangaroo care is yeah. and also breastfeeding immediately um what do you think what could be a way to stress that it's very important for you mm. I'm With I don't know so I'm I'm not very good at advocating for myself, I think, in these situations. Like, I think, I'll just do things the Japanese way. I trust <gasps> them. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I have heard of people being a lot um, stronger and saying, this is what I need, and just repeatedly asking. Repeatedly <laughs> I think that works, just repeatedly asking and saying that's what you want until mm. they can't avoid the question. Um, yeah, mm, I don't yeah. think that changes the whole situation and attitude but at least for you you might have a chance to get what you want mm. um and I do okay. have to say in not in Shaw's defense but um another woman who gave birth in Shaw she did have two hours of kangaroo care um she gave birth maybe six months before me 
and she had those two hours and it was just her and her husband and perhaps she did have the opportunity to breastfeed them because they were together and it was just them um in my situation it it didn't happen okay so uh it's not that in general they don't do it uh it just maybe it was a coincidence of um Mm. Some things like the mom next to you giving birth to twins or they couldn't find your file, file unfortunately. Yes. Okay, but then your husband came and you had time with her. You could hold her, you could breastfeed her and that went well? Mm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't breastfeed her then, just to clarify. So oh, I breastfeed her later in, mm-hmm. the, um, in the nursery. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we had the 30 minutes together And he took a lot of photos <laughs> and then he couldn't see her for a week. Um, yeah, yes. so that was, that was nice though. I mean, yeah. I appreciate that they, they still let him come in during these times to have that. Yes, definitely. Mm. Uh, so you stayed a, a week or six days? Uh, as um, husband? Sorry, it was five days, five days stay. Five days, okay. And yeah. um, during this day, how was everything Was the stuff nice, supportive? Yeah. Uh, okay, you already had a baby before, so I I think you weren't as overwhelmed as um, newly mums, <laughs> right? Mm. You kind of knew what to do. Yeah, I think also I, I knew what the system would be like. So, so um, for example, if you if you stay in the bay rooms, like in the rooms with all the other people, then your baby stays in the nursery the whole time. Um, that actually was a surprise to me, but um, you'd go to the nursery every three hours to feed your baby. And I knew that, I knew that would be expected of me every three hours to go to um, feed her. And uh, yeah, so it was a very systematic approach <laughs> to, to how to care for your baby. And um, but at the same time, I, I greatly appreciated that. And um, with both my daughters, I had mastitis um, quite quickly after birth. And because you do go to these nurseries every every three hours and there's midwives everywhere to support you, like they, they honestly do everything they can to make breastfeeding successful. And um, and when I had mastitis, they did everything they could to, to get rid of it and treat it straight away. And they were really understanding. Um, so from that aspect of care for the mother, I think it, it, it is brilliant. And and at this hospital, they were quite quick to give me medicine if I needed it. Like, okay. you need more pain relief? Here's pain relief. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> not the, yeah. not quite the natural approach. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, um, but they, I did feel they, I did feel listened to at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they, they regularly checked up on us to see how we were doing. Um, I think just bon- bonding was tricky there. Um, so having, having babies stay in the nursery was new to me. At Tokyo Adrial Center, we, we did have the baby with us. We just took them to the nursery. So it was quite strange to have a, to have your baby but never see them except mm. for to breastfeed them. And because of coronavirus, all the women were wearing masks. And so we couldn't like you couldn't really kiss your baby or mm. like spend a lot of time hugging them. And I think that'd be really hard for a first time mum. Mm. Um yes. so that's you know she's alone in the hospital anyway because their partner mm. can't visit and then her time with her baby is decided by other people and she has to wear a mask throughout mm. it. So um 
hopefully that will change soon. Yeah. But that's something to be prepared for with Showa okay. that your baby would stay in the nursery. But this is yeah. a standard at Showa University? The hospital? nursery. The yeah, nursery? The baby being in the nursery is. Um, the standard. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes. okay. I'm always positively surprised about the care of the midwives in Japan mm. because I constantly hear how caring they are. Uh, even if they do some things that um, it's not really my approach, like putting the baby to the nursery instead of um, uh, next to the mom. Okay. Um, but uh, I always, when I hear stories um, about hospitals, uh, the feedback about the nurses are, is positive and um, mm -hmm. like they really care. Like they are not just doing their job, but they try what is they try to do their best uh, and to meet your um, your desires or what you want, your wishes as far mm -hmm. as they can. <laughs> I definitely felt that I, in both hospitals I stayed at. I, I felt so well cared for and invested in and. I did feel like despite being a big hospital, the care was tailored specifically to me, like in the mastitis treatment and um, and other conversations that I had with them. They, they really did care about me personally and, and Asuka. Um, this time around with Asuka, I said I, I wanted to exclusively breastfeed. At Tokyo Irio Center, they did combination feeding, um, which honestly wasn't a problem for me, but I wanted to try exclusively breastfeeding. And they said that was fine as long as Asuka continued to gain weight. And then she she lost weight. She wasn't breastfeeding well. They were really clear about it. And they they gave me all the data <laughs> because they're very good at taking data. But, you know, they did show me, like, this this was her weight when she was born. We expect her to lose 10%, but she's lost more than that. So do you want to try combination feeding or should we keep going with the breastfeeding? So I just felt they, they were clearly well-informed. They were taking care of Asuka so well and they were still considering my um my wishes yeah so mm. they're brilliant <laughs> good so would you say overall you would recommend this hospital to other women I would I had a positive experience and I think um you know just because everything doesn't go as you expect it doesn't mean it's negative you know and I, I'm correct yes I I was more than happy to embrace the the Japanese style because they do care so well for women and and for the baby's health. Mm. Um, I think where where patient choice comes in, they're not the best. <laughs> okay. But okay, know. maybe you just if you really want to go to Shova University Hospital, you really have to be prepared that you might need to push for what you want and to yeah. keep asking, <laughs> like we heard before. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And if you, I don't know about your future plans, if you had another baby, <laughs> would you uh, rather go to Shova University Hospital or to the um, uh, Tokyo Iro Center? Uh, it's quite tricky. So I think in terms of um, checkups, Showa University Hospital was brilliant. <laughs> um, I don't want to spend long, like three hours waiting for appointments. Um, uh. But I do think that Tokyo Ilio Center, that your baby could be in the room with you, that did, that was a big factor, you know, mm. for bonding with your child in those first five yes. days. So, yes. yeah. Oh, I'd find it hard. I, I thought they were both wonderful. I probably would go back to Shoa Daigaku. I'm sorry. Yeah, Shoa Daigaku Hospital. But um, 
I'd, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Beside the care, there's also the financial part of uh, giving mm. birth in Japan. <laughs> is it, by the way, is it in the UK free to give birth? <laughs> yes, yes, it, it is. is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, do you remember how much you paid for giving birth at Shova University Hospital? Yes, it was the equivalent of about four thousand pounds, and with the government support, the government provides about three thousand pounds. Right. So it only cost us a thousand pounds. Um, okay. Yeah, so it's very cheap. <laughs> yeah, that sounds for Japanese standards quite cheap. Good, mm. thank you. Okay, um, now we are coming uh, to an end. <clears throat> uh, I would like to ask you, Jenny, what was for you, maybe for your first baby, the most challenging part for pregnancy or giving birth uh, in Japan? Mm. I think it was the systems. I yeah, all the, the Japanese systems of doing things like uh, specifically appointments, specifically having to go to so many different places for appointments and waiting for forty five minutes to see a doctor for five minutes. That was that was quite a struggle for me. Mm, yeah. yeah. And mm. um, is there any recommendation you could give um, other pregnant women in Japan? Oh, it sounds a strange recommendation, but go to Japanese prenatal yoga. <laughs> wow, so important, yes. Yeah, and it's not even it's not necessarily about the yoga and that, but it's it is a chance to to hear other women's stories, to to feel less alone in giving birth, and to learn a lot of Japanese vocabulary about giving birth. Um, yeah, so if you can try to embrace. Um, Uh, Japanese support outside of the hospital um, through your pregnancy and and even after birth. Yeah. Wow, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you a lot, Jenny. This was uh, your birth story and uh, Showa University Hospital, a little bit compared to the Tokyo Iro Center, correct? <laughs> um, I'm glad you had a great um, I would what I understood you had a great experience at both hospitals right <laughs> and yes yeah I think um, one of the big factors why it was also positive for you uh, because I feel that you are very open-minded and uh, you embrace the differences and the different system like you said and you you don't you don't fight it <laughs> yeah that helps no i too. just fight it with my husband afterwards <laughs> <laughs> yeah why with your husband oh because i'll tell him all the things about japan and there's nothing <laughs> nothing uh, he hates more hearing than me complaining about his country ah <laughs> uh, okay okay Yeah, but you 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 do the effort of living uh, in let's say his country, yeah. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jenny, thanks so much for sharing your story, and uh, I'm sure it can be helpful for any other Japanese mom to be. And I'm very thankful that you took the time to tell us the details and your story. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah.